Welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. We're at episode 49. My name is Drew O'Grizik. And I'm Alex Moxon. Hi. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Pretty well. How are you, Drew? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, how was your week? Week was really good. Productive. Lots of stuff going on. I think it's been a busy week for everyone. Yeah, I thought there was some interesting stuff. We had some pretty good chats. I think someone brought up a question of what's an average salary for an intermediate iOS developer in Vancouver in the YVR dev Slack, or I guess actually in the joint Van Devs channel. So quite a few places are connected to that. And I thought that was really interesting. So I kind of replied, you know, probably somewhere in the 100,000 range, give or take 10K or something. And then there was some interesting conversation that ensued after that. But then also I thought a really interesting point to be made of you know, what is an intermediate developer, what is a junior developer, what is a senior developer. So what are your thoughts on you know, salaries of developers and you know, what makes junior, intermediate, senior? What's in a title? Sure. I think it's really arbitrary and I think it changes based on the company and based on the company culture as well. Sometimes there's title inflation, uh, but sometimes you've actually got a, a representative, you know, somebody who's been a developer for you know, five years would be an intermediate developer versus somebody who's just come through a boot camp and doesn't have a lot of real world, real world experience. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends. And it also depends on your programming language, what it is your company's building, um, team structure, so many different things. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to someone about you finish university with a comp sci degree and then maybe have like a year experience. And I was like, you know, maybe that's a, that's a junior developer. And this person's like, no, no, no. When I finished university, I was a developer. I was like, well, this is a really interesting thing. So in this person's mind, a junior developer isn't a developer yet. Whereas I think, I think it also really depends on where you've been and what you've been exposed to. One of my early places, I guess, yeah, one of my early places to get into development was ActiveState. And I think one of the first people I pair programmed with was Ingy, Ingy.net, who's kind of one of my programming heroes as well. So that was pretty awesome. But I think the levels there, the level of senior development, I mean, you're, you're looking at people who have, you know, master's degrees in comp sci, maybe from the 60s or something, you know, and they've been programming forever. And they're maybe one of a handful of five people that's in the level of, of programming ability that, the, that they are. And that's amazing, like to be around people like that, where you see people with, you know, maybe five comp sci degree, maybe five years experience, or maybe 10 in very good places like this that are, you know, these people are excellent developers, but they're still, you know, considered intermediate. Yeah, that's a really good point, Drew. Where I'm going with that is, so my perception of what a junior or an intermediate or a senior is, is kind of a bigger scale, I think, than some people. But I think on the other hand, business is important and the solving the business problem is important as well and so when you look at another person that you mentioned a boot camp let's say somebody goes through a boot camp gets quite familiar with ruby on rails maybe has a year of software experience or even two but all with ruby on rails maybe they their their first experience out of the boot camp was to work in a an agency that does all pair programming all the time 
So they got very intimately familiar with the intricacies of developing, of web development with Ruby on Rails. And then they get their next position as a senior Rails developer. Hmm, interesting. Okay. But they're able to solve the problems that the business needs in a very efficient and effective manner. So I think having that familiarity with the framework and with the development practices, now you take that same person and you say, well, now we've got a different process. We need to, we need to do some maybe embedded software in our car for, I don't know, for, for anti-swerve technology or something sure. like that. Yeah. And it might be quite a learning challenge. Whereas you might have somebody with more of a, a breadth of general comp sci knowledge that might pick that up a little bit faster or maybe has other experience that might go there. And I think that as far as like coolness factor goes, then being able to do it all, having that breadth of knowledge is really awesome and cool, but it's not always the thing that's going to solve the business problem the best. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think to, to speak to your point about uh, picking up a different language, so that would be a polyglot developer. And I think that might be somebody who's a, moving more into a true intermediate position mm -hmm. versus maybe somebody who is just starting out would be more a junior developer. But I mean, I think if you can do the work, you should have the job. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I mean, I've worked with people that have been senior developers that probably shouldn't be senior developers. Mm -hmm. There's a different way of approaching a problem. And then you've got, you know, architects, technical architects, and various levels of, of those types of skills. So it really depends. Yeah. You, you said a lot about, you know, depends on the company. Different companies have different naming conventions or titles. And I think that the same is true with, you know, just different types of roles and exposure to things. A larger company might have a much more specialized role, you know, where you're working exclusively as a backend developer with a particular set of technologies solving particular sets of, or types of problems. Whereas with maybe a smaller company, you might be doing a lot more. So maybe some of the front end stuff, maybe some of the project management, maybe some somehow kind of reasoning, reasoning out the, the feature set. So here's something that I thought about actually this week as well, when it comes to that was I had a conversation with our designer slash front end dev. And one of the things that she said was she really hates it when backend developers don't know why they're developing something, but then they develop it. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that a lot. I'll see a ticket and it's like, oh, you've got to develop this feature. And maybe I should really be understanding why we need to develop this feature to, to see how to design it and if it's even the right thing. And then even go back and challenge whoever wrote the ticket to say, you know, do you understand the problem? Is this really a way that we can solve it? Because oftentimes just looking at it and writing it means uh, I'm not even deciding on the implementation details that much. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And when you start to question, that's also a mark of going up in your career. I think questioning the value of something, you know, are we doing the right things? Are we putting the right things into practice? That's a really important skill to have. It's also good to have people that can just pound through the work. But when you start really taking the time to think about it, what it is that you're doing, I think that helps in leaps and bounds as far as a product and a company goes. Right. So there's a lot of things outside of just writing code that go into software development. I think so. There's a lot of soft skills. And as we're becoming more technologically adept as people, I think it will be almost a despecialization. So everybody will be expected to have a certain level of technical competence. Mm -hmm. So you'll need people that are able to look at 
how to solve a problem and look at it from multiple angles, work well together, work on teams together, be able to lead a number of things. Yeah, I kind of think there was once upon a time, typing was a skill <laughs> and somebody might even put that on their resume. Yep. I couldn't imagine that happening today, could you? <laughs> um, maybe as a joke. Right. Maybe as a joke, but <laughs> not on a serious resume. I can exactly. type or, you know, 60 words per minute. I don't know if that's even a thing or do people care about that or is that just expected? <laughs> but I think it's kind of a given, you know, when you're when you go to work, if somebody got a job in an office, regardless of the job and they're like, oh, I, I don't know how to type. I can't use this thing. That would be really weird, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you think coding is something like typing in that regard? I think it'll become that way in the next few years, definitely. I mean, I can give you some personal experience. I'm learning to code. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was week one last week. Yeah. I just had some HTML and CSS before, and I think I'd looked at JavaScript, but I hadn't actually really done much with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I opened up a terminal and I did a number of other things. I worked with a number of different technologies, and I'm brand new mm -hmm. <laughs> at it, but it makes sense. And I think that there should be a general level of technical competence. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we should be learning in schools, you know, as early as you know, early grades. Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be such a, a part of our daily lives that it, you know, it's a skill as it, it would be like typing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I could really see things going that way. But I don't know. I also hear, you know, when talking with some people about that, some people get very defensive, you know, and say, when we, well, I guess, especially if I talk about automating, automating things that are automatable, and they say things like, you know, but I like cooking, or I like gardening, or, or, and I think that's, cooking is a really interesting one, because everybody who cooks, like, you could have 10 people cook the same thing, and it would be 10 different tastes. Now, is that because of slight differences in uh, algorithms? Or is it because, you know, they have some people have delicious fingers and that rubs off. <laughs> I don't know. I think each person brings something unique to the table. And I think that's an important, uh, important differentiator. All right. Well, I guess it's time for meetups around town. All right. That was awesome. I think that was probably the best meetups around town intro ever so far. <laughs> One of these days, we'll get you to say the din 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 part as well. Maybe. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got a pretty interesting week coming up. Was there anything that you saw that you thought, I just have to make it out to that? There's a lot going on this week. There is a lot. Right up to Saturday. Mm -hmm. There's, I think on Thursday alone, there's, on Wednesday is actually the big day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a number of things I want to go to. Um, maybe it'd be better if we just kind of start with the Monday and, and walk through each. Sure, I was just wondering if there's like one in particular one that you really wanted to go to because there is for me and I'm kind of excited about it, but I'm not going to go. <laughs> well, why don't you talk about it? Well, it is the Public Cloud Users Group. And that's one of my favorite meetups just all around because I think it's so well organized. I always talk about it and say, you know, Matt, he's the, the person who runs it from SoftChoice. And he's just so well caught up in things in the cloud. And I don't know about you, but I'm really interested in things that, that are happening, but they're happening so quickly that I don't always get a chance to to read everything and curate a nice, nice list for it. But that's what he does. And he kind of gives like a 15-minute overview once a month of everything that's happened in the cloud. But nice. this particular meetup is not one of those. It looks like it's a um, 8.30 a.m. one at the Fairmont Hotel. And the very first time, I want to say, the very first time I ever went to the meetup, and I think it was the first meetup, was also at the Fairmont 
and they had a really nice breakfast and it was great. And uh, yeah, but it does say the RSVPs are closed. Mm. So that's why I'm not going. But 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday, it's Soft Choice AWS Boot Camp. Sounds pretty awesome already. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says, you'll get up close to the AWS platform for high availability architectures. Join Soft Choice for hands-on boot camp, deploying a high availability auto-scaling workload to a sandbox account in AWS. I don't know how much more exciting it gets at 8.30 in the morning on a <laughs> Wednesday, but that sounds awesome. That sounds very awesome. So the meetups I will definitely go to, uh, the one I always go to is on the Thursday, so it's the DDD CQRS ES practitioners. Um, we're actually starting a new round this week. So we'll be looking at a new product. Um, so it's a really good one for people that are interested in event storming, don't have a lot of background in it and want to know more. And it's especially interesting for business people. So product owners, project managers, development managers, if you're interested in how uh, event storming could be rolled out at your organization, come out to this one because we'll actually be event storming. So so that's the one you're looking forward to the most? Yeah, definitely. Like in your own thing? Yeah, it sets the tone. So there's that, and there's a there's a couple more, but let's go through them in, in a list. Yeah, yeah sure. Sounds, sounds good. good. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just wanted to point out that one because I'm super excited about it. And I, Oh, there's the other question that I wanted to bring up. Have you ever really wanted to go to a meetup, um, but it was full? Yes. And what do you do? Um, typically, there's a waiting list. And I often find with meetups, there's usually no-shows, mm -hmm. even if it's paid. So if you're really keen on it, it's worthwhile going out and just seeing if there's extra spots. Sometimes they add spots, too. I did. I went to, um, I think it was actually an Android meetup. And we talked about it last time, but it was Exponent.js. I really wanted to go to it, but I'd missed the the RSVP thing. And I think they had like 80 or 85 was the limit. And I just went anyway. And I think there were about 20 empty seats. So I thought, you know, why not just go? I think something at 8.30 in the morning, I might just show up to anyway. What The worst that could happen is they'll say sorry. Yep, we're full. exactly. But yeah, I might just go to that anyway. All right, so let's start with uh, Monday. We got a big day. We do. What's going on? So we've got Git Help and Zero Tech at Decontrol. Yeah, so this looks pretty cool. This is from 4 p.m. on Monday. I've definitely been to this a couple of times. I like this. It says, please bring a laptop if you can, or just watch, or maybe pair up with someone to try out Git scenarios on your platform of choice. Very cool. Yeah. It also addresses the build versus buy approach, which is kind of neat. And I like the idea of zero tech, but I often kind of wonder, are we using zero tech or not? And I had a, a thing, I think um, this week, one of the things was, you know, adding permissions. There's there's a gem can can uh, or an, an updated version can can can. And I remember adding some permissions and it was like, oh, yeah, that's it. So, so little code. But then I was thinking, but is it, you know, mm -hmm. behind the scenes, there's all this other stuff that it's doing. So I, I'm going to dig a little bit more into that to see how it's actually doing it. That's actually something I think I don't particularly like about Rails is it's great because it's kind of really easy to just grab a gem and build something mm -hmm. but at the same time um it's like just grab a gem and have it do it for you anyway so there's another one happening at d control vancouver rust so this is pretty awesome this one i started out in the library and i thought that was a, a nice place for it and now paul has been running it the past couple of weeks over at d control i didn't go last week i don't know if you had a chance i didn't know no but it must have been successful. It's happening again. So this is pretty awesome. Maybe I'll come and check this one out. Nice. 
Yeah, that's at 530. Uh, also at D-Control, 4036 West Pender. Very cool. The next one is the Vancouver Hackspace event. Mm -hmm. That's the one that's the 10-week series, so it's already started. Yeah, it's already so subscribed as well. So um, it'd be interesting to see if you're part of this course, uh, is it still too late to join or what? Another one that I noticed is NetSquared Vancouver Tech for Good. So this is a really interesting one. Mm -hmm. So it's how can we apply technology for nonprofits and in the nonprofit space? So this one is how to use your domain names to build and protect your brand online. So something very important for nonprofits and companies in general. It's at the Hive and it starts at six. So there's a number of people going to that. Looks pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. One of the other things it says, find out why the .ca domain name is right for your nonprofit and how every .ca domain name contributes to building a better online Canada. Well, that's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it should be pretty fun. And then we have the Information Architecture and Content Strategy Meetup. This is happening over at Unbounce, 400-401 West Georgia from 6 p.m. I probably wouldn't worry about bringing a laptop for this. It looks like it'll be more of a presentation sort of focused one. It says managing change for projects, new date and location. Very cool. Yeah, Unbounce is a great space, I think. Really centrally located, easy to get to. Uh, and they have that huge event space that's really nice. So Yeah, it's one of the better places. Sound is usually really good there too. If you look at the recordings, uh, you can record there. Good spot. Yeah, awesome. And that rounds out our Monday. Then we have Tuesday the 25th. So there's Open Coffee, which is on the Vancouver Pixel Crafters meetup. This is over at Nelson the Seagull, 315 Carroll Street from 8 till about 9.30. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go to that one just because <laughs> I usually wake up a little bit late, but also I go the other way. Mm -hmm. So it's a little far for me for now, but I think our office may move eventually. Have you ever been to this one? I haven't. I've been to another Agile Coffee, a Lean Coffee, but that's uh, later on in the week. So Lean Coffee, is that the one that Jared from Tableau runs? Yes. Yeah, I keep meaning to make it out to that one, but haven't been. So what about this? Are you are you planning on going to this one? Um, Probably not, but I definitely will be going to a few more meetups this week. That's something that I want to start actively doing, mm -hmm. uh, especially as I'm getting into programming. Yes. Um, I think building the community is really important. Yeah. And I think what we learn off of each other and how we bounce ideas off of each other really helps. Yeah, I think so too. I think like just being able to be involved with other people in the development community. I think it's really great to get outside of the bubble of the people that you work with all the time mm -hmm. and kind of get out there and, and bounce ideas off each other. So that, that's awesome. Then we have from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We have Vancouver Closure. This is over at CodeCore 142 West Hastings. I would definitely bring a laptop to this one and be ready to hack on some Closure. Very cool. Another good one here is Tech Vancouver. So it starts at six. Mm -hmm. It's at the BC Tech Hub over on Great Northern Way. Mm -hmm. Looks pretty interesting. Early bird tickets are sold out, but general admission is still available. And that's also a really nice space. So if you've got the time, this is a really interesting one to check out. Got some presenters. Mark Fromson of Local Solo. Hussein Halleck of Launch Academy. Michelle Martin of Next Level U, and JP Holeka, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing that name, of Power Shifter. Nice. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So I've actually never been to a Tech Vancouver meetup. And because this is happening on a Tuesday night, I'm probably not going to make it to that one either. But I've heard nothing but good things about it. 
Yeah. So we've also got the Vancouver Robot Operating Systems User Group. The location is only shown to members, but it is from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And I really hope this is actually in Vancouver. (laughs) (laughs) If you join up and it's in New West or something like that, let us know. But I'm not super interested in robot operating system for some reason. I think I should be. It seems like something that would be really interesting. But build intelligent apps with Microsoft Cognitive Services API. And that actually does sound pretty fun. Yeah, and that's from 6 to 8. I would definitely bring my laptop to that. Also from 6 p.m., the Pi Ladies Vancouver. This is over at Salesforce, Suite 710, 375 Water Street. That should be quite a good meetup as well. I've been to that one time. I thought it was very well presented. They had um, the one that I went to anyway, had a bunch of talks, and it was great. This one says, Join us for a chance to practice your Python skills on some coding challenges, puzzles, or pet projects. All skill levels are welcome. There will be food. So you said you're kind of starting to get into learning learning software, mm-hmm. and you've had some CSS, HTML, and been jumping into JavaScript. Have you looked at Python at all? Not yet. Oh, interesting. So that might be a good chance to uh, do that. Yeah, I might actually check that one out. Nice. Yeah, it's a, a great meetup. And then we have the Vancouver Product Managers. Yeah. And this is over at Clio, which is, this is actually out in Burnaby. Pretty far out. It is. It's a bit of a trek, but it's worthwhile going. I've been out to this group a number of times. They usually have a really good presentation. It's well organized. It does tend to start right uh, right on time, though. So mm-hmm. some meetups, you have a little bit of networking, and then it goes into the topic. They turn things around a little bit where they have the talk first and then networking after. So if you want to go to this, try to make it right uh, right at the beginning. Yeah, that's kind of that's really interesting. It does say Vancouver, BC on the meetup, but this one's in Burnaby. In my opinion, that's a totally different city. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. So yeah, maybe it could be the Burnaby Product Managers Club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have the Vancouver Creative Technology. This is at 685 Great Northern Way from 7 p.m. Have you been to this one at all? I haven't, no. No. So this is uh, TAD Talks, so Technology, Art, and Design Talks. Looks like it should be pretty pretty interesting. I haven't been to this one either, but it does sound like a lot of fun. I wouldn't bring a laptop to it either. Just looks like some talks from 645 to 715, mingle in the lobby, and from 715, show and tell, creative tech projects from the group. Cool. And that's right around the corner from the Tech Vancouver meetup. So mm-hmm. if you're planning on going to that, well. They might overlap a little <laughs> They bit. may overlap a little bit, but it's just yeah. down the street. Um, and this one, it does say attendees are welcome to bring food and drink for themselves and or to share. So it sounds like there's none provided. Mm-hmm. What else do we have on Tuesday? So the next one we have is Vancouver Hackspace Open House. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is down on uh, Cook Street, which is Granville Island, I believe. Mm-hmm. Any kind of hack nights where you can work on a problem versus just a presentation style, I find quite interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. It does say Tuesday night is always open night at uh, Vancouver Hackspace. So bring your ideas, projects, kits, art, music, robots, etc. Yeah, that might be kind of cool. And so that's over at 1715 Cook Street. I don't think, well, depending on what you're working on, but I don't think it requires a laptop, but it might. I guess, yeah, I guess it depends. I've never actually been to a Hackspace and well, I guess my, my brother-in-law's garage is kind of a hack space because <laughs> he does, he runs a special effects company. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much a hack space. I guess he 
built his own 3D CNC machine and things like that. So it's it's kind of cool. But yeah, I guess depending on what you're working on, you could bring a laptop. Interesting. And so that's Tuesday. So then Wednesday, we start out with what I've already mentioned, the public cloud user group from 8.30 a.m. It does look like the RSVPs are full on that. I would maybe get on the waiting list or send a message to Nat directly and ask if it's okay if you if you still pop by. It might be something nice and polite to do, but I'm sure it'll be really awesome. So I might do that and might try and actually make it out to it. Then from 4.30 p.m., we have the Vancouver Linux desktop. This is over at D-Control, 436 West Pender. Definitely bring a laptop to that if you got one. If you have something to put Linux on, uh, I'm actually looking at uh, your laptop. Are you running Linux? I am. Uh, oh, nice. Which uh, <laughs> which Linux are you running? Ubuntu Mate. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a 10-year-old laptop, mm -hmm. and Linux just totally breathed new life into it. So it's, uh, it's good. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I haven't used Mate, and it's really because I don't like the way it's pronounced. It's M-A-T-E, and it's not called Mate. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've, I've used Ubuntu quite a bit and I really like it. I actually had asked for a Dell laptop at my current place so that I could put Linux on it, mm -hmm. but I ended up getting a MacBook Pro. So decided to just keep the operating system that it came with because I think it's pretty good. Cool. All right. So that, but that does look like it should be a lot of fun. And even if you are running NAC OS, you could probably just go by and talk to people. Just talk Linux because it's fun. And then we've got the Pluralsight study group. So this is happening from 5.30 to 6.30. It does look like the topic this week as well is to be discussed or determined. But yeah, make sure to bring a laptop and a subscription to Pluralsight. This is over at 100.425 Carol. Very cool. The next one is Learn Data Science. Mm -hmm. And this is over at uh, SFU Venture Labs, Harbor Center, up on, I think it's on the 12th floor, which is, I, I remember asking Charles, about this because some of the the classroom or conference rooms don't have free Wi-Fi. I think it's like $90 per event if wow. you want to get Wi-Fi. Okay. But he said, this place on the 12th floor, it's a little different. It's like their venture labs thing. So there is Wi-Fi up there. And so it sounds pretty cool. I have yet to check out this meetup, but I think it would be pretty fun. Nice. It's so funny. It's, it's almost a given that Wi-Fi is everywhere. So when you have to actually pay for it or, or log in and it's a, a hassle, it's very prohibitive. I'm kind of surprised that it's not a public resource more places, mm -hmm. you know, or at least considered that. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. The next one we have here is ReactJS Vancouver. Yeah, ReactJS Vancouver. This is happening on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure, uh, well, I don't know if you need to bring your laptop to this or not. It looks like they're are some presentations. So you've got Brian Clark from Mozilla. He leaves, leads the DevTools team. We've had him on the show before. He's also been part of the DevTools meetup. But yeah, this looks really cool. It's just this, Mozilla is building a new debugger for Firefox that's written in React and Redux. It's a 30-minute talk. So Brian's going to cover how it works, why their team decided to move away from Zool, which was a very <laughs> good decision I think everybody will agree with. But yeah, that should be an awesome talk. I don't know. I would probably bring a laptop to maybe take some notes or to, to reference things as he's giving the talk. There's another talk, Ahmed Wasfi and Tommy Sivlazek from Microsoft. So Ahmed and Tommy, they're from Microsoft's OneNote team, will give a quick five-minute introduction to their team and how they're using React for the new OneNote web client. That sounds pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. 
So the next one is the Vancouver Digital Project Managers Group. This is one I've been going to for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Mark runs this. It's a really good one. It's at Rival Schools. Mm -hmm. Kind of a neat co-working space. It's over just south of Athletes Village. Yep. Around the Hootsuite area. This week we'll be talking about how email is a team sport. Okay. Who should go to uh, the Vancouver Digital Project Managers Meetup? Well, it really depends. I mean, we're we're typically a group of project managers, but people that are interested in tech projects in general should go to this. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's looking at ways to improve their communication or improve project communication, definitely it's worthwhile checking out. Do you think that software developers would benefit from going to project manager meetups? I think so. I mean, again, it comes down to more community development. And if we're all working from the same playbook, I mean, that helps so much. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be silos of, well, talk to the project manager and, oh, now you've got to throw it over the fence and talk to the technical people. Mm -hmm. Let's solve problems together, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then we've got the Ladies That UX Vancouver. This is also over at Unbounds 400-401 West Georgia from 6 p.m. Have you been out to this one at all? I haven't, but I wouldn't mind checking this one out. UX seems to be a very kind of important thing these days. I remember in school doing some HCI courses human-computer interaction and thinking, wow, this is awesome. But also hearing that, like, you know, maybe maybe a company like IBM has one or someone <laughs> who specializes in this or something mm -hmm. and, and thinking it was really cool, but I'd never get a chance to work in that field. So not really pursuing it. But now to see, like, UX actually being a big thing and actually a very important thing, I think, as well. The user experience can really make or break an app. Exactly. Well, if you've got a great app, but it's hard to use, I mean, you're just not going to use it. Well, then I guess you don't have a great app. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. And then we've got the uh, Van Dev. So this is an amazing meetup. I've actually only been to it once, but it was really, really cool. This is over at UBC Robson Square. Uh, and yeah, just very, very well presented. Always awesome topics. I'd bring a laptop. I don't think you need to. You can follow along with the presentation very much diving into code and what's going on and why this is good or why that's bad. And also, I think some uh, banter from the crowd is encouraged. Cool. Here's an interesting one, Alt Games Vancouver. Yeah. So this is over at the Linux Pub, 800 Granville. And I know a lot of developers either started out or got interested in software because because of a passion for games. Mm -hmm. And probably so many people wanted to get into games development and may or may not have. And then a lot of people have pet projects where they're building out games. And so this one is, if you'd like to come early, set up your game or anything else you'd like to share, please feel free. Seems like a pretty good meetup that I haven't been to. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And that's our Wednesday. So quite a few things happening on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Then we've got Thursday. So Thursday starts out you're saying that it happens a little bit later during the week, but Vancouver Lean Coffee yes. is 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., also over at Nelson the Seagull. Mm -hmm. And so you said you've been to this one? I have, and it's a really great space. It's a nice big open space. You basically come there with a problem to solve, and it's done, you know, applying lean practices. I believe Jared gives an intro for people that aren't familiar with the practice of agile and lean. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can use those interchangeably. Some people will say absolutely not, and some people will say, yeah, yeah you can. Um, so maybe that might be an interesting topic to to bring up. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I think when we get too involved in process, mm -hmm. I think that can kill a project. 
nothing kills a project faster than focus only on process. Mm -hmm. That said, I mean, you've got engineering projects where you do need to have really strong standards and, and quality control. But I think being able to be fluid in your process is really helpful. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever really worked on a team that strictly adhered to a particular process or methodology. But usually it's some sort of some sort of combination of things like you might have a Kanban board, but you might just be changing your requirements all the time, which you probably are. I think the the idea of lean kind of makes a lot of sense for I think it actually kind of ties in quite well to the the zero tech approach, to be honest. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's software that we're building. We're solving particular problems and discrete problems, and each one is a little bit different. So I don't think you can have that unilateral process. I think you can have standards that you fall back on, but really having, if you're, if you're stuck with only one way of working, that really limits you in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You can take, for example, waterfall project management, uh, which was the way to manage projects for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And there's... Sometimes it, it, the project doesn't fit the box, so you have to work outside the box. So I think that's where Agile and Lean came into play. And now there's a number of other methodologies, but I think focusing just on the methodology, it's important to have people that understand it and can apply it, but also being able to know when to pivot um, really helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of neat. Um, so what about for, uh, for the projects that you work on, what sort of uh, methodologies do you usually uh, implement? Well, it depends. So <laughs> now I, what I like starting with is event storming. Mm -hmm. I find that that really helps uh, focus the problem back on uh, what it is, back to the business really. So what you're doing is looking at the entire solution mm -hmm. and really talking about it in a collaborative way where it's not taking a siloed approach. So that I think is how I would like to start most of my projects. I can work on a team where they've got established procedure, but I think really having that initial kickoff where you take an event storming approach really helps and it really shines a lot of light on what it is you're building, why you're building it, different ways of, of working with things. And it also highlights the pain problems, which is what ultimately you're solving for with software. I think that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. And so that was lean coffee. <laughs> is that yes. all the stuff that you talked about there? It does sound pretty cool. I'm, I've, I'd like to make it out there, but Nelson the Seagull is a little far for me because I'm over on Granville Island, mm. Um, mm -hmm. but maybe after we move. Awesome. And so Thursday also happens to be Oracle Developer Day. Nice. So what's going on over at Cinematique, 1131 Howe Street? What's happening there? Uh, that's a good question. It looks like it's an all-day event. It's free, which is pretty cool. You can register still. Why you won't want to miss this, you can expand your DBA skills by learning how you can leverage your SQL and PL SQL knowledge to build rich, professional-looking web and mobile applications. So I think that's something, if you've got the time, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, they got a few interesting points there. So expand your DBA skills, learn how to quickly build web and mobile applications, learn firsthand how to take advantage of SQL developer features, and see what others are building with Oracle application development tools. So not something I've spent any time with, to be honest, any of Oracle's stuff. But if you're interested in that, it should be pretty, I think it would be interesting regardless of whether you've used 
article before. It's from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., so a full day on Thursday. I guess, obviously, you'd have to be doing something with it or have a reason to go. Yep, definitely. To go there. But, yeah, it seems pretty fun. And then we have from 5 p.m., got the DDD CQRS ES Practitioners Meetup. And this is the one that you were saying, all the meetups this week, the one that you're really planning on attending. What's so special about this week's DDD CQRS ES Practitioners Meetup? So in this week, uh, we're kicking off a new series. Uh, so what we do is we, over the, the summer, we had more fireside talks and special guests. But what we started doing over, I think this is our third instance of it. So we start off with an event storming session. So we'll develop a product. So come to this meetup with ideas for what type of project or product you'd like to build. We event storm it. So we'll talk a little bit about what's involved in event storming. And then we actually go through the process. So it's an interactive, you don't need to bring a laptop. It's done literally with paper and stickies and pens. <laughs> and it's nice because you've got a visual medium that you can move around. So definitely come out to that one. The following couple of weeks will be actually coding from that. So if you're interested in how the event storming process goes, definitely come out to this one. It's a good introductory. Oh, very cool. So yeah, I remember there was some discussion about trying to do everything in a single meetup. Mm -hmm. So you'd have your fireside chat and you break out into some event storming sessions and then you'd sit down and actually build out the code. But that's a lot to do in a couple of hours. It is. And so now it's uh, you have your initial introduction, you have your event storming session, and then from the next meetup, you'd actually take that, take what you got from the event storming and maybe use that as your board to work off of. Exactly. I mean, it's something if you've been doing event storming for a while and you're familiar with the practices of event sourcing and all of the other coding practices that, that go along with that, I think it's something that you can do in probably two or three hours. But what we really want to do is make sure that people have a good understanding. So it's important to explain the concept and make sure everybody's comfortable with it on the same page because it's a newer way of looking at things. Very cool. All right. And then um, also a really great meetup, I find, the VanCue meetup. Yeah, this one's over at Trinimbus, Suite 280, 1408 West 8th from 6 p.m. Have you ever been to VanCue meetup? I haven't, no. No. So this was actually one of the things that I guess I said as was my complaint about the meetup. I really liked the meetup was that there just there weren't as many people who identify, I guess, as software developers as I would like. I think this is something I haven't been particularly interested in project management, I guess, getting somewhat more interested in it. I find it to be, for the most part, poorly executed in a lot of places. And I think that's probably why. Mm -hmm. So getting more interested in you know, how do we how do we do a good job of this? How do we do a good job of that? But I have been quite interested in in the QA process and in testing. And I think this is something that VanQ does a really good job of doing presentations on. And yeah, it seems pretty awesome. It does seem like a lot of the people, most of the people in attendance identify as QA. Mm -hmm. But this is cross-browser testing with Selenium, WebDriver, and Sauce Labs. Now you bring up a point about a lot of people attending being QA mm -hmm. folks. And I think what's really important, oftentimes things are built and again, things are built in silos. You've got the traditional approach of project management and then developers and then quality assurance. And sometimes there can be a lot of friction because there's not a good understanding of what's involved. Mm -hmm. So I think this would be a really good meetup to go to. If you're a developer, so you can start talking the same language and understanding some of the, the pain points that a, a QA person would encounter. 
and maybe help solve for that at the beginning rather than create a mess of problems down the down the line. Yeah, definitely. I think that sounds like some pretty solid advice. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, Vancouver Pixel Crafters posted Meetup have startup drinks. This is at 131 Water Street from 6 p.m. And it usually runs pretty late. I remember this was one, another one of those things I usually tend to avoid anything with startup or manager in the name that James actually said it was really good and I should go out. So I ended up going one time and it was actually really great. Waves of people who come and go. When I got there, I think there was one or two two other people there and then five more came. And I think I showed up at like nine o'clock. So, But yeah, it's, it's kind of the way that it goes and you meet some really interesting people generally in the in the tech industry in Vancouver. So seems cool. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. There's also Code and Coffee. So I, I don't know if you've been to this one. This is happening at Code Core, which is 142 West Hastings from 630 to 830. I've heard really good things about this and I haven't been either, but I've heard this is also one of maybe one of the better meetups around as far as, you know, I think sometimes there's some really good presentations. There's some breakout workout workshop style sessions, things like that. Yeah, I definitely bring a laptop to that. Uh, not so much for startup drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could bring a laptop to both, but you'll just be carrying it around. Yeah. Well, I mean, like definitely for coding coffee, I would because of the breakout sessions. But Absolutely. For, uh, for startup drinks, unless you have a specific thing to show on your laptop, no, no need for it. Cool. The next one here is UBC Tech CEO Dinner Night. Mm -hmm. So this is over at UBC, so not the downtown campus, but the, the actual UBC campus over in Kits. Mm -hmm. This is kind of an interesting one. So last year, Ryan Holmes, the CEO of Hootsuite, spoke mm -hmm. at it. And this year, there's a lot of really interesting speakers. The link hasn't been updated, so hopefully we've got a new link for this, but definitely one that's worth checking out. Mm -hmm. Registration starts at 5.30, and it runs from 6 to 9. I can tell you that Aaliyah from Ask a Techie She's the CEO of that company. Will be speaking. Be a number of other interesting speakers. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. It, it says the pricing. So members price is nineteen dollars. Non-members price is twenty nine dollars, which includes membership. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have to become a member if you want to go to this. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. All right, cool. So that looks like that's our Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty big Thursday as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a full week for meetups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. Then we also have something happening on Saturday. Mm -hmm. What's going on on Saturday? So it's a TED Talk series for women. It's independently organized. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting event. It starts a little bit earlier. Theme this year is power. And it's over at the Imperial. So this is something I might check out, uh, although I won't be able to because I've got the podcast. <laughs> so maybe I'll check out after. But it sounds like a really interesting one. The Imperial is a really neat space. I've been there for a number of events. Good for networking. It has a really nice theater. It has a decent bar, although I imagine it's probably not going to be open. So this is specific to the technology? Yeah, it's a, it's a women in tech-themed mm -hmm. event. Very cool. So yeah, definitely worthwhile checking out. Yeah, I, I noticed the... Looking at the website, there's the nice power symbol, which mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. All right, cool. So that's our meetups for the week. All right. All right, and we're here with our special guest 
today, Hussein Halleck of Launch Academy and also the Vancouver Pixel Crafters Meetup. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you very for much for me. being here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. Really excited. So I actually reached out to you initially because I was looking at who runs this Vancouver Pixel Crafters Meetup. I did have an idea of what it was all about. It seems like a really great community resource, kind of that meetup page for if you have an event, but maybe you don't have a meetup page yourself or it's somehow related to the Vancouver tech community. I can't remember what the meetup was now, but I think I've actually posted meetups there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pixel Crafters has become um, a place where most people actually post, who are targeting the tech scene, mm -hmm. post their meetups. So it is actually, while I'm a I'm lead organizer there and there are a bunch of organizers, it doesn't belong to anybody. We made it so. I mean, Launch Academy actually owns it and kind of screens a little bit of the, uh, of the things that come through. So we approve sometimes some things and reject some things. But mostly there is around, I think right now, eight to 10 organizers from different places. So we have from the different communities in Vancouver that actually target tech. So I definitely know of Open Coffee, for example, yeah. or Startup Drinks. Those are a couple of big ones that I've noticed. What are some other ones that you might have through the Vancouver Pixel Crafters? Well, we we have we have uh, anybody who's posting even on their own channel. So we have Tech Vancouver, for example, posts on Tech Vancouver, but we also post here. The Vancouver mm -hmm. Growth Hackers Meetup also posts there, even though they are a meetup standing on their own. But they post there because it became a channel to inform people, hey, there's these cool things happening. Be part of that. So I, I think that's that's what's so special about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it seems very community driven, which I think is also really great. So how how long has the meetup existed? Oh, uh, I think it's been around for several years right now since Launch Academy started. I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> I actually just pulled up the page. That oh, has cool. Yeah. So founded January 15th, 2010. Oh, wow. That's before Launch Academy even. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't so know that. Maybe Launch Academy is a Vancouver Pixel Crafters <laughs> meetup group. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. But I think what happened is it started, I think, by Boris Mann. Who, who started it because he was the organizer before that before he's got very busy and that's what happens we we get very busy doing doing our things and because launch academy is a community driven organization itself so it made sense for us to take it over from boris man and lead it also with the community and keep it a community spirit meetup yeah that makes a lot of sense why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself launch academy and your role there yeah, so I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been uh, around the world. I'm originally from Syria, mm -hmm. uh, Damascus, Syria, where all the troubles of the world are happening right now. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Damascus, I, I remember hearing that that's the oldest metropolis that's still in the Yeah, same place. oldest capital in the world. Yeah. One of the most beautiful cities you can ever be at. Like I have memories all over the place. I, yes. I, I love it. It's unfortunate what's happening there, but that's where I was. And then I moved to Dubai. I yeah. worked, I started uh, multiple companies there. 2003, I moved there and I stayed there until uh, 2014 where I came to uh, to, to Vancouver. Uh, yeah. It was, I guess, a pretty big change from Dubai to it's Vancouver. It's a massive change, massive change. Mainly, I mean, on many different levels. Let's say climate, definitely. Uh, <laughs> scenery and look at Vancouver, paint everything brown and it becomes uh, Dubai. <laughs> it's like the, the huge difference from that aspect but i think in regards to the tech community itself mm -hmm. there's a massive different startup community here it's amazingly vibrant everywhere everyone i stumble into maybe because that's the the community i network in but everybody's 
onto something, working on something, even if it's a side, pro- side project, not necessarily something like even if they're an employee, but they're working on a side project, they're thinking right. of something. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of vibrant from that aspect. So that's a major difference. And that's where I ended up with Launch Academy. I think it, was, it wasn't long since I landed here, uh, six months, and somebody introduced me to Launch Academy. Fell in love right away. I was like, I need to be in this place. <laughs> Joined for my startup, then remained as a mentor because I got hired for another startup called Three Tier Logic, a tech startup as well. Oh, you're at Three Tier. Yeah, I was Very there. So I, I worked there for in marketing strategy and help out with with many different things. Uh, as it's startup, you put many many different hats. And then six months ago, Launch Academy asked me. We know we're making a mistake, but we wanted to be GM. <laughs> <laughs> sure they said it just like that yeah i did so it's it's a fun it's a fun place where we hold ourselves accountable and we also like to have to have fun as well with what we're doing like serious fun kind of thing launch academy is vancouver's and i think bc's as well leading tech hub and early stage incubator for tech startups and tech entrepreneurs you would come to launch your idea off the ground or really accelerate your startup to success or connect to amazing people like the people so, so how does that work let's say i've got an idea I don't have a lot of time, but maybe I have evenings and weekends that I'm devoting to building out my side project. Should I go to Launch Academy? Hmm. Very, very good question. I would say uh, the main thing that you need to look into is that do you, as an as an entrepreneur, do you re what what are the problems you're dealing with? So if you're dealing with one of the main problems we actually aim to solve is it's uh, lonely being an entrepreneur. Lonely, not necessarily. I mean, from a personal preference, but lonely as in who do you have as sounding boards? Who do you have to exchange ideas with? Who do you have when you're building a startup? You need. You need to get out of your own, let's say, zone where you you only see things from your own perspective. Right. So having tech entrepreneurs around you who are building maybe other other startups, maybe in your own field or other fields, and have built companies before or dealing with kind of similar problems, not necessarily the same, but similar, that's immensely valuable. Being part of a supportive community, that's what the main reason that Launch Academy was built for. So you would come there to be part of a community, not necessarily to have a co-working space. We do have a co-working space, but it's not about that. It's being part of a community, getting having access to leading mentors. We have uh, mentorship hours dedicated. Uh, we kind of s- see ourselves as a laid back incubator. We don't interfere in you. We don't take any percentage of your company. You join, you're part of a community. It's really up to you to go reach out to people say, hey, I want help here, I want help there. You have mentors that dedicated time so you can book hours with them without being assigned to them. That in some places you get assigned to mentors and you have to stick with them for a year. Here you can just access a mentor for half an hour and that's about it. I think that's the starting point for you as an entrepreneur if you're building building something. And we've, we've seen that a lot of people appreciate that. Yeah, that's really important. And I think it teaches a fundamental skill of as an entrepreneur, where do you start? I mean, you're, you're kind of starting from the beginning and it's all new, but I think there's a level of leadership that you should be developing. And I think that's a really great way to start. Yeah, seeing people around you working. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur. I've been the bedroom entrepreneur, you know, and the coffee shop entrepreneur. I've been all of those. Yep. So that's why when I first stepped into Launch Academy, I mean, right now, yes, I work for Launch Academy, but I've, I've been a member too. So I've seen it from all this different aspects. It didn't take me a lot. I stepped in and said, this is where I need to be because I have access to all resources. It's a no-brainer, was it for me as an entrepreneur? I've been in coffee shops. I've been in other places, but here I have access to resources 
there's unlimited coffee free <laughs> and is it good was, coffee uh, it's it's actually amazing coffee it's uh, not the usual coffee machines like it's brewed coffee we we, we consume around 10,000 cups of coffee every month which is wow. incredible yeah they drink a lot of coffee there <laughs> Roughly how many people do you have in any given, any given um, day? It's, it fluctuates between, uh, right now we have 80 people. So roughly 80 people, around 60 startups. It fluctuates between 50 to 80 startups generally as, as capacity. And we have some amazing partners there as well. Are there any startups kind of success stories that you have that have gone through Launch Academy that we may have heard of? Yeah, absolutely. So you have Grow, who are the financial, like the fintech that, that came out of Launch Academy. You have uh, right, they're right on uh, Granville now. I think yeah. Office. Yeah. And their office is really nice. Yeah, exactly. Launch Academy is that place where it's like a stepping stone for you to, before you move on to your next big thing. Mm-hmm. Picatech mm-hmm. uh, came out of Launch Academy. Thinkific came out of Launch Academy. Change Heroes came out of Launch Academy. Later.com came out of, or they were later Graham, now later.com. <laughs> they came out of Launch Academy. I mean, we got uh, Battlefy. It's, it's hard to actually like quantify all of them. Bernie.ai came out of Launch Academy. The thing is here, I think we need to be clear on something. Like it didn't, it doesn't mean that Launch Academy made those startups we don't claim that we don't claim that hey these are the startups that couldn't exist without us those entrepreneurs are very driven they're going to achieve their goals anyway we just want to make it easier faster for them to get out there and if there's a chance that anything can come in the way to stop them launch academy exists to remove that out of the way and that's why we that's why i think uh, i i personally love launch academy as a person just part of the community and i believe in its mission and that's why i joined in the first place i can do anything i mean i have 25 years of experience i've worked i built 10 startups i can find the job that i want like i was building my own startup anyway Mm -hmm. but the reason why i joined launch academy is because of the belief that we're here to help entrepreneurs avoid the big mistakes that I want. I mean, you saw me at fun, <laughs> the <laughs> F up nights. Yep. You saw me there. So I've had some massive failures and I, I know how much how much can that take a toll on, on an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to help entrepreneurs avoid that. That's really cool. That brings up an interesting point. Would you like to talk about some of those former failures that helped shape your career where it seemed like, okay, this is, I can't believe that just happened, but it allowed you to pivot. Yeah. Well, I don't like to talk about them. <laughs> if you don't want to, that's all right. <laughs> no, I, I will talk about them. But it, it, like, just to clarify, as an entrepreneur, yes, we do. Is failure is part of success and part of the process. Mm-hmm. But I think I think entrepreneurs would lie if they say, you know what, I really enjoyed that period. Or you know, yes, we learned a lot. But it's if we had, if I could come back and avoid that failure, I would definitely do. One of my biggest failures, I was building a marketplace for art, Arabic art in particular, art from the Arab world. And I built up the largest marketplace for Arabic art in the world. I've brought in around 1,200 artists, which is a massive feat in the Arab world. None of them were online. You're talking about 2006 at that time. At that time, very few people in the art world were online. They they were afraid to put their artwork online, not to be stolen, not Mm -hmm. to be claimed for somebody else. And the other thing is that there was no Facebook in the world at that time, no WordPress. So the first... Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> well, it it wasn't even known for that for that part of the world. Right. So it all they could do is have email, maybe, and maybe a personal website at that mm-hmm. time. And those artists are most of them come from an older generation, so they didn't even believe in the internet. So it took right. me th- like around three years from from inception to actually get them online. And I thought, hey, this is awesome. I was in all the media. I was featured in Forbes, featured in BBC, featured in all the media there in Dubai. I was hailed as a person who's going to 
disrupt the art scene mm-hmm. uh, in that part of the world. And that was the face of it. So in the face of it, it was a huge success. Everybody was like, oh, you're successful, you're awesome. But in the back end of it, we were hemorrhaging money, right. mainly because I made the probably the most amazing mistake, and the worst mistake that an entrepreneur can do, which is not talk to your customers. So while I was talking to one side of the marketplace, these are the sides that are providing the artwork. I didn't talk to collectors. So when I went and talked to collectors, they weren't interested in Arabic art, funny enough. They, <laughs> they wanted, they, wa- they were interested at that period of time, they were into international art. That was the big thing in the art world. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't bother to get out of the building and go talk to them, I couldn't, I didn't find out that. And it was like, oh, <laughs> heck, you know, like I, this was a surprise to me. And of course, if I had the time, basically, if I had the runway and I didn't waste all the money, I sold an apartment, I maxed out all the loans I could get, maxed out all credit cards. It came up to around a million dollars of, of money that I didn't have. <laughs> Just wow. to clarify that. So I was a hundred million dollars in the red, not like I had a million dollars and I spent it, which was, would have been much better. So I was minus one million uh, and there was nobody willing to to buy. So the biggest problem was if I had the runway, if I waited another year when Christie's auction happened for the first time in Dubai for Arabic art, that exploded the Arabic art scene. And I would have been I would have been in a, in a different place, maybe one of those billionaires, maybe mm-hmm. that, that, that you talk about. So that was my my biggest fairy. It took me three years to pay everybody back. There's no bankruptcy in, in Dubai. Right now, you, I think they announced it a couple of months ago. But before that, as an entrepreneur, if you if you fail, you, it's, it's your own uh, pocket you have to reach out to. So I had to work three years to pay everybody back and come back to almost zero oh, <laughs> neutral. Wow. Yeah, I've heard some interesting things and seen things like people just leaving Ferraris or whatever because there's no bankruptcy if deals go bad and they just leave dubai and leave their car on the street yeah it was it was an interesting time definitely the biggest challenge was when you work with with with, let's say big companies and most big companies are owned by the government if they uh they announced once that they're not paying their they're delaying payments Mm -hmm. so but you so you sign checks to buy millions of dollars i mean it it wasn't me but there's a lot of companies which which had contracts with some of the biggest companies there Mm -hmm. for millions like 50 30 is like millions of dollars yeah. tens of millions of dollars and what happened is now they they have the checks and of course the the ceo might be jailed and like senior executives might be jailed for checks they signed which was how you do business at the time right. so a lot of them had to had to flee there were some of course some bad people who were like tricked people for money and fleed but mm-hmm. those people had to to go out and they some of them were had apology letters we couldn't help i i i couldn't and i wouldn't i, I would said listen I, this is my market it wasn't in my mind that i'm traveling so anywhere else uh, i'm staying here i'm gonna rebuild my trust it was the hardest time that i've ever well been, it so. sounds like a really big burden to have to carry saying yeah. you know i owe a million dollars a million dollars in debt yeah. that you have to pay off how do you carry something like that around how do you get through it you said three years that must have been a pretty tough three years to go through it, it was very very tough i had very very few friends at the time even though before that everybody was my friend <laughs> so somehow i had dear like dear very close friends that walked on me when I, when I when i heard like i i was in a meeting i always say the story I was sitting in a meeting somebody sitting like right in your place mm-hmm. and i was he's asking me what are you working on i said well i'm looking at debts like to whom i need to pay and the payments and everything and right structure that i was working on a a numbers file at the time not excel and he and he asked me like how much debt do you have i said a million dollars the the person just stood up 
and walked away didn't say a word like he couldn't even fathom he couldn't, he couldn't like <laughs> wow. accept he just stood up and walked away this is one of my best friends supposedly so that's what i had to deal with and it was very hard I, I i i was i don't know i don't know if i was depressed like right now look at it maybe that was depression but right. i was uh, there was several times when i wanted to basically kill myself and like get rid of all of that because it was the easiest way out right yeah it was a very hard time had i ha- didn't have for example my wife she was my partner one of the smartest people i i met she was my co-founder for the next three companies because mm-hmm. she said listen it's obvious that you can't do this on your own <laughs> and you're gonna and this is not gonna happen again i'm coming in she's a techie like me she's uh, so she was my co-founder and from there we were able to pay people back she helped me a lot and there were a few people that uh, like rose to the occasion as they would say and they were amazing amazing friends i guess that's that's maybe a big plus i don't know if, uh, if it is or not but when you go through i guess it is when you go through that kind of a difficult time finding those people that do really stick by your side that might make it worth it all i don't know what do you think absolutely the well the the few things that came out of it is first of all i said i want to be that person mm-hmm. so I, because i, I I, I may now say that I wasn't like I had those friends were bad or whatever, but I don't know if I was like that because I never I never went through those situations. But of course, if I was hurting, there was other people hurting as well. So it it also changed how I see myself and how I see my role. And in the years that came after that, I, I made a decision that part of it, yes, I want to I want to build great companies and I want to. But. I don't want to become the person that just on the top. I want to be part of the community. I want to build that support for for my children, for the people I, I know. Uh, and I know I couldn't do it alone. So I couldn't find a vehicle. I was part of different groups in Dubai at the time. Uh, but when I when I landed here and I saw what Launch Academy is, that's I said, this is my vehicle right now. And I, and I did that before even I got to, to be hired. Like the reason they actually asked me to become general manager is because I was acting as if I'm part of the community for two years. So that is one of the reasons. I mean, that's what at least what they told me. Maybe that- <laughs> <laughs> so, so how long have you been with Launch Academy now? As a general manager, six months. As a head instructor of the Lean Entrepreneur Acceleration Program, a year and a half. And as a mentor for two years and a half. Almost. Wow. So it sounds like you, you're really involved uh, yeah. in Launch Academy. Obviously, as a general manager, you're going yeah. to be quite involved but not just as a general manager. It's something yeah. I'm quite passionate about as well. Well, if you look at our community, like the entrepreneurs that go through there, so we have, I think, three tiers of community. So we have the alumni, the entrepreneurs that went through that, and uh, they are alumni right now, the entrepreneurs that are there. And there's the extended community, which are people that, let's say, come to our events or we interact with through our partners. And I've met incredible people in all three communities. So it's it's just a no-brainer. Like I'm I'm not doing something out of this world. It, it sounds like it, but to some people like, wow, you're really giving up. But it, it's really doesn't require a lot of work to look at, hey, these are the people I'm meeting. They're incredible people. Where else would I want to be? <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Hussein, if, uh, if people want to reach out to you, what's a good way to reach out to you? Or if they want to meet you at meetups, what sort of meetups do you attend? Well, I'm speaking at Tech Vancouver next week. Actually, this week now. <laughs> and that's over at Tech Hub on Innovation. Or... Yes, Innovation. Is it Innovation Hub, I think? Innovation so Hub. In, yeah. uh, on, on Great Northern Way. Great Northern Way, right. uh, So I'm there speaking about the story of me and Launch Academy. It's called the Orange Shirt. Oh, nice. And it's actually an amazing meetup. So I'm, I'm always there. I love, I love that meetup. And the, the people, it's kind of 
they've been successful at bringing together also a different side of the community. Mm-hmm. So that's a place they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I tend to put an extra effort to make myself available. So if somebody wants to have a coffee, 15, 30 minutes coffee, if they want to have any question, happy to do that. And they can always reach out to me at Hussein at launchcami.ca. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Awesome conversation. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Hussein. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.